Today's reading is taken from Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the stature given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. to keep your Bibles open if you've got them there at Psalm 122 or if you've closed them since Psalm 122 Um, and let me lead us in prayer as we prepare to look at it together Heavenly Father we thank you for your word we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us and we pray please that this morning as we come to your word you would teach us. We pray that you would give us a heart that is willing to learn. Um, we pray that you would give us a heart that is willing to accept what you say, to trust you. Uh, please, would you be at work among us, strengthen our faith, uh, point us to Christ, help us on our journey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Cities are a bit like Marmite. Um, You either love them or you hate them. Uh, I guess that for for some, the thought of a city break um, is very exciting, and you're really thrilled by the idea. Uh, If that's you, for you, then cities are, it's maybe about the bright lights, the buzz of activity. Uh, For you, cities are a kind of fascinating melting pot of different peoples and cultures, full of opportunity and history and architecture. Um, For others, um, cities are to be avoided at all costs. Maybe that's you, because they're full of rats and traffic. They're expensive and cramped and dangerous and dirty. Well, this morning, we're going to be thinking about a city, but it's a different kind of city to any city that you may have visited we're going to be thinking about God's city, a city which should appeal to all of us, whether we're city people or not. We've been uh, working our way through the first few songs of ascent, the songs of ascent at Psalm 120 through to 134. And we've spoken of it as a kind of hymn book for Jewish pilgrims as they traveled from around Israel uh, through Israel to, to get to Jerusalem uh, for various festivals. These were songs for the journey to keep them going. And in the last few weeks, we've been thinking about how their journey, their pilgrimage through Israel to Jerusalem, is a bit like our journey. Um, our journey, because if we're trusting in Christ, we're on a journey. Um, as we travel by faith through this life to the new Jerusalem, our future uh, home in God's future new creation. 
And because our journey is a bit like their journey, these Psalms are really relevant to us, to our faith, to our walk with the Lord. I said the last couple of weeks that these Psalms come in threes, um, each uh, Psalm reflecting a different stage on the journey. So we had Psalm 120, um, where we were far away from God's city. Woe to me that I live in Kedar, far, far away. Then Psalm 121 was from the perspective of being on the journey. We saw God promise to protect his pilgrims, watching over them on their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. So we were far away from God's city, then we were on the journey. And here in Psalm 122, we arrive finally in God's city in Jerusalem. So let's think, first of all, about God's city, which is what this psalm is really all about, the city of God. And this, uh, the, 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 this psalmist, uh, the one who writes this psalm, begins by remembering the moment his journey began, uh, the moment his friend suggested, let's go up to the temple, let's go up to Jerusalem. What was it? from that moment that really stuck in the psalmist's head. Why was it so memorable? Well, it was because of the sense of joy that he felt at their suggestion, the sense of excitement that he felt, that they felt together, the prospect of going to Jerusalem. So verse 1, if you've got it in front of you, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. And so given that they were so excited by the prospect of going to Jerusalem, well, how do you think they're feeling now that they've arrived? Well, it's as if they're pinching themselves. Verse 2, our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. One writer puts it like this. This isn't some cold GPS reading. We have now arrived in Jerusalem You've reached your destination. No, this is the psalmist overcome with wonder and excitement and joy. Our feet, he says, our own feet are actually standing on Jerusalem's hallowed turf. We're actually here. This isn't just the culmination of their journey. This is the realization of their dreams. Can you believe it? We are here, finally, in Jerusalem. Who knows how many miles they'd covered, how many tears had been shed on the journey, how many times on the journey they'd felt like giving up, but now all of that is behind them because they've arrived in God's city. And when you hear their description of the city, it's no wonder that they feel like this. So let's just allow the psalmist to walk us through this city and tell us all about it. Four things, I think, to point out just very briefly as we go about Jerusalem. Firstly, we see that this is God's city. This is the place of God's presence. By far the most thrilling feature of Jerusalem was the house of the Lord, the temple Uh, sitting right in the northern edge of the city. 
at the house of the Lord, the temple, it's mentioned in verse 1 and verse 9. It's implied in verse 4. But of course, as we know, the temple wasn't just a, a beautifully ornate building. It was God's own house on earth. The one place on earth where sinful human beings could meet with the holy God. God's presence on earth. In, King, in 1 Kings 8, uh, we read about what happened when the, when the temple had finally been built and was completed. How the priests uh, withdrew from the holy place and then how God's presence, the cloud of God's glory came down and filled the temple. What an amazing sight it would have been. But what a privilege for these pilgrims to get to visit Jerusalem, to be in God's very presence. This is God's city, the place of God's presence. Secondly, note, it's, it's, it's a safe city. Just have a look at verse 3. He says, Jerusalem is a city that is closely compacted together. Now, this isn't meant to make us think of a kind of densely populated uh, uh, city where there's no room to breathe and everyone's just crammed in. Now, this is getting at just how secure God's city is. Closely compacted together. That is well-built, solid, firm. Its walls so secure without any gaps, no enemy would be able to sneak in and cause trouble. A fortress closely compacted together. See, this is getting at how easily its residents can, can sleep at night and how relaxed they feel as they walk around the streets during the day because deep in their bones, they know that here in Jerusalem, they're safe. So this is a, a safe city, closely compacted together, impregnable. Thirdly, it's a, it's a praise-filled, harmonious city. So just have a look at verse 4. That, that is Jerusalem, is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. If you know anything about the tribes of the Lord in the Old Testament, you will know that they could be fairly tribal the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Dan, the, tri the tribe of Gad, and so on. The differences between them were magnified. Um, at points, it could be very much us and them, conflict. And of course, we know that tendency among ourselves. But, in, but when they're in God's city, as they worship and praise their common God, there is peace and harmony between these tribes. In the presence of God, he fills their vision such that their differences become, well, just less important and peripheral. I mean, just look in this verse, verse 4, about how these tribes are described. They're not given their different names. It's not the tribe of Benjamin, the, the, the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Dan, the tribe of Judah. No, they're just described as the tribes of the Lord. It seems that being in God's presence 
praising and worshiping him, brought them together in harmony. See, Jerusalem, God's city, is a praise-filled, harmonious city. Fourthly, it's a city of justice, verse 5. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Uh, last weekend, I went on a, on, a, on a bus tour around Belfast, which was really quite interesting. I found it um, uh, really quite, um, yeah, worthwhile. Um, Stormont uh, wasn't on the route, um, but the bus driver pointed it out to us from a distance, from, from a perspective I hadn't seen it before. Um, now, I can't remember exactly what the bus driver, the, this kind of tour operator, said about Stormont, but I think it was something along the lines of, you know, Stormont, it's a beautiful building, amazing grounds, and then something along the lines of shame, nothing much happens there, or something like that. In other words, there is a sense of embarrassment about this place of government, a sense of um, making an apology for it. Well, here in uh, Psalm 122, the psalmist points us towards the place of government in God's city, the house of David, not the house of the Lord, the temple, but the house of David, the palace, the place of government. But our psalmist, he's not embarrassed by it. He doesn't feel the need to apologize. He's proud of this place. That, it's almost as if he says, see over there, that's the house of David. Beautiful building and so fitting for such a wonderful government. Those are two words that we don't often hear together. Wonderful government. But that's how the psalmist feels here about the palace in the city of God. Because from the palace comes justice and fairness and compassion. So here is Jerusalem. God's city, the place of God's presence. A safe city. A harmonious, praise-filled city and a city of justice. No wonder our psalmist is pinching himself that he's actually there. But if you know your Bibles, you might well be thinking to yourself, look, hold on a second. Because yes, okay, at points, Jerusalem was good, and there were glimpses of greatness, but they were just glimpses, right? I mean, we might be thinking, was it really secure? Um, didn't it get raised to the ground by Babylon? Didn't its inhabitants get taken away as prisoners? It, was it really harmonious and praise-filled? Yeah. Didn't its kings desecrate the temple with idols? Often they did. Was it really a place of justice? Jesus speaks about Old Testament Jerusalem as the place which killed the prophets. So what's going on here? This, this psalm doesn't seem to match how Jerusalem really was. But you see, what we have here in Psalm 122 isn't so much a photograph of what Jerusalem was actually like but more of a, a blueprint of what it was meant to be. Not so much a, a trip advisor write-up from a recent visitor, 
as the architect's drawings, the developer's description of what Jerusalem should have been was, for brief periods, but ultimately failed to be. Psalm 122 is God's design for Jerusalem, but which never really fully came about for any length of time. And yet, all is not lost. Because as we move into the New Testament, we read that God hasn't ripped up his blueprint and his plan and his design for Jerusalem. Now, he's kept his drawings for that city, even updating them and enhancing them. You see, this idealized blueprint for Jerusalem in Psalm 122 is still going to become a reality. But not in this world. Rather, at the very end of the age, when Christ comes back and ushers in a city that he will call New Jerusalem, the city at the center of his new creation. As you know, we read of it in Revelation 21, a city where God will be, God's city where he will dwell with his people forever, a city whose walls will really be impregnable, a city whose streets will be filled with the sound of happy singing to the Lord, coming from singers from every tribe, nation, and language, a city without any cemetery because death will be no more, a city of perfect justice and fairness where every wrong is made right and no one is overlooked. A city governed not by flawed men like David and Solomon, but by the flawless Lamb of God. You see, Psalm 122 is like a, a signpost to the new Jerusalem to lift our spirits and keep us on our journey there. And so I think that the application for us from this first bit of Psalm 122 is really quite straightforward. We're to keep our eyes fixed on our destination. We're to keep our eyes trained on the new Jerusalem, our future home. I love um, stories from the Olympic Games and there's plenty of stories. One of my favorite is, is a story of John Stephen Aquari. Um, this is him. He was a marathon runner from, from, from Tanzania, um, running in the 1960 at Mexico City um, Olympics in the marathon. Uh, you may know his story, but the race was, was, was very difficult for him. Um, he suffered with cramp from early on. And at the halfway point uh, in the race, 13 miles through, um, he was jockeying for position with some other runners and, and tripped and fell. Now, he wounded his knee. He actually dislocated his knee, and he slammed his shoulder against the pavement. So he was really badly injured. But amazingly, he got up and carried on running uh, right way through until an hour after the winner had finished, he came into the stadium, did his lap, and finished uh, the race. Um, it generated a lot of interest, as you can imagine. And uh, some media types asked him afterwards, why didn't you quit? You know, you were seriously injured. Why didn't you quit? 
and he said this. He said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Why didn't he quit? Well, it was the thought of the finish line that kept him going through all the pain. And likewise, if we're going to keep going on our journey and not quit, we've got to keep God's city, the New Jerusalem, at the forefront of our minds. And so thinking about our destination, thinking about God's coming future city, that's not just a mental exercise for believers in their latter years. This is for all believers. Um, Whether we have two years left on the road or 72 years left, We've got to think about the city of God. We've got to think about our future because it drives us on and it keeps us going. It gives us energy to keep trusting and to keep walking on our journey. So I wonder, how much do you think about this coming city of God? How prominent is it in your thinking to what, extent does, to what extent does the thought of it excite you? You know, for the psalmist, when it was suggested that they go up to the temple and up to Jerusalem, he was filled with excitement. And that was to the old Jerusalem. How much more reason do we have to be excited about the new Jerusalem, the perfect Jerusalem, the city of God? So let's be those who keep our eyes on the finish line to keep our eyes on our destination, the coming city of God. Well, we've thought about the city, and I want to just for a few more minutes just think very briefly about its gatekeeper. Um, When when you read Revelation 21, it's, it's clear at the end of that chapter that not everyone is going to be allowed into God's future city. Its borders, if you like, are going to be tightly controlled. The last verse of Revelation 21 says this about the coming new Jerusalem. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, the gatekeeper to this future city is the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus. And I think as we look at Psalm 122, we see him or we see hints of him coming through this psalm. Just think about this psalmist for a moment. We read about his pilgrimage in verse 1, setting out for Jerusalem, journeying, then verse 2, arriving in Jerusalem. We read about his desire to see Jerusalem at peace in those later verses in verse 6 and 7. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May there be peace within your walls. So here the psalmist, he loves Jerusalem and he longs for it to be at peace. And we read in the last verse about how this psalmist seeks Jerusalem's prosperity. Verse 9, if you've got it in front of you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. In other words, this psalmist commits himself to doing whatever he can so that this city will thrive. 
And I think it is in these ways that this psalm points us forward to the Lord Jesus. As you think about Jesus' life, he himself went on a pilgrimage. At Luke 9, 51, we're told it's a key verse in the gospel of how Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. And from that moment on, yes, he ministers to people as he goes, but he is on a journey, and he is going to one place and one place only. He is going to Jerusalem, where he'll die on a cross. We see in Jesus longing for Jerusalem's peace. You think about his lament over Jerusalem, Luke 19, weeping over the city. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. He longs for Jerusalem's peace. He seeks his prosperity, a commitment that would ultimately lead him to die on a cross just outside of Jerusalem to bring rescue. You see, the psalmist himself points us forward to Christ, the gatekeeper to the new Jerusalem, the Lamb of God, who by his death makes, us pos makes it possible for us to enter God's city. And so for us, as we close, I guess the challenge for us is, will we trust the gatekeeper? Because the reality is that you will not be allowed to you will not be allowed into this future city of God unless in this life you put your faith in Christ the gatekeeper. Let me just say that again because it's really so important. You will not be allowed to come into the future city of God unless in this life you put your trust in its gatekeeper, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life who are welcomed into the city. Uh, they're not the great and the good of the world. They're not those who've achieved great things, the rich and the famous. They're not those who've maximized their potential and lived decent lives. Now, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are those who have simply recognized their failure to live God's way and trusted in Christ for forgiveness. That is the way... And that is the only way that anyone can be brought in to this wonderful future city of God. We've got to trust the gatekeeper. And can I, I suppose, just ask you, have you done that? Um, if you haven't, I would urge you to really consider that very, very seriously indeed. Nothing could be more important in this life to get ready for that future and be right with God, trusting the gatekeeper for forgiveness. And if we have already trusted in Christ's death for us and our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and we are following in his footsteps, I guess the challenge is, will we thank him? Will we realize that our future, our wonderful future is secure, not because of any good in us, not because we deserve to be there, but only because of the Lord Jesus, this great city's gatekeeper, the Lamb of God who died in our place. Let's pray as we finish.
Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this wonderful picture pointing us ultimately to the new Jerusalem. Lord, we pray, please, that that future would loom large in our minds and in our hearts, that we would look to it and be excited by it and be driven forward and given energy by contemplating it. We thank you that it is a future reality. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus, its gatekeeper, the Lamb of God who died in our place, by whose death anyone can be brought in when they trust in him. Lord, we thank you for that rescue. We thank you for our future. And we pray, please, would it give us energy, drive us forward, keep us going. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.